Grace to you, my friends, and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and our Savior Jesus. Amen. We call this big piece of furniture an altar. I moved it forward uh, so that you could all get a better look at it tonight. Oftentimes it's tucked back here, and maybe you just don't ever get to reflect as much about this piece of furniture. We call it the altar. There are many Protestant churches in this country and throughout the world who no longer have an, an altar per, per se, but maybe something more like a, a communion table, they might call it. And uh, Lutherans, though, along with Catholics and Orthodox, and maybe some others as well, still remain to have altars within our Christian worship places. Why it is that some have removed the altar from their worship spaces, you'd have to ask them because it's different in different places. But what I want to do tonight is reflect upon the altar within the realm of how God's people have worshipped and interacted with this Almighty God since the very beginning. You know, it's uh, in, within your handout tonight, in your, in your bulletin on the inside front cover, uh, there's an entry there from a Bible dictionary uh, that gives an overview on the Old Testament usage of the altar. I'm not going to look at all of that tonight. That's for you to take home and, and study and open up the scriptures for yourself. But within that page, you'll, you'll read and, and learn a lot about an altar within the Old Testament. Now, many people, if, if you're a, a little bit familiar with the scriptures and the sacrificial system, a lot of people would tend to think that sacrifices and altars and all of this stuff was a new thing with Moses when God commanded Moses and the Israelites in their wilderness wanderings how they should conduct themselves and what kinds and how often they should do sacrifices. It didn't begin there. It, it, the altar didn't begin there. Offering sacrifices, it didn't begin there. Uh, somehow, innately, within God's people from the very beginning, have had this practice of bringing offerings to the Almighty God. Offerings of, of grain, offerings of fruit, offerings of, of meat to God. And, and within that whole realm of, of things, building altars has also been part of people's worship from the beginning. Abraham constructed altars. People built altars at momentous times when they experienced the presence of the Almighty God. However, when Moses comes along and God does instruct Moses in the time of wilderness wanderings, God does give some very clear instructions to Moses. And those instructions to Moses give a, a lot of consistency in practice of, of how and when God's people should gather together and offer up sacrifices. Now, you may look through the scriptures and that handout uh, on the front, and it's going to give you lots of different places where you can go and learn about uh, the Old Testament sacrifices. I'll point you in one direction. If you want one concise place where you can kind of learn a lot and get a great overview, it's in Leviticus chapters 1 through 7. Okay, so if you want to go home, it's pretty easy reading. I think in Leviticus chapters 1 through 7, it just simply says, at this time, do this sort of sacrifice. At this time, do this. And explains what it is. So Leviticus 1 through 7, you can look that up on your own. So God had given these instructions to Moses. And, he, and what we read tonight was God's instructions to him about how to build an altar. God also gave him instructions about how to build this tabernacle. 
The tabernacle, if you remember, it was, a, it was a portable temple. It's the precursor to the temple in Jerusalem. And, it, and it's a tent. It was literally a tent. A, a tabernacle is, literally means a, a dwelling place. So God promised to Moses and the people of Israel, when you build this tabernacle, I promise to dwell here with you. Now, in the, te- in the tabernacle instructions... When people entered into the gate, the very first thing that they would encounter was the altar. Now, why was it the altar that they would encounter first? Because there, they would encounter first the presence of God, and through the sacrificial system, they would enter into this relationship with God before they would enter further into the tabernacle. Now, with on the altar there in the tabernacle, what were some of the things that were offered up? Uh, you, again, you can read about all these things in Leviticus 1 through 7, but uh, a variety of the things, they would be, there was a wine offering where people would bring wine and it was presented there before the altar. There were grain offerings, bread, those kinds of things that were brought to the altar. But even, even more so on a regular basis, there were meat offerings, animal sacrifices happened there. Some would think, you, you read about the four, the four uh, horns on the altar, um, many think that that was also to help to tie down that animal on all four corners of the altar. Now with those animal sacrifices, they were to be done uh, morning and night, morning and night within the community of the people. And the one instruction God had given to them most of all was to bring before him a lamb in the morning and in the evening. A lamb in the morning and in the evening. Now last week our theme was the lamb. Uh, Unfortunately, I didn't preach on the lamb last week. I I thank Marcus for uh, simply reading the dictionary entry. But a lamb was a significant animal, a lamb to be brought without blemish morning and evening. I took this off the front of our pulpit, but this is the the image for our Lenten uh, pulpit. What image is it? It's a a lamb, right? A a lamb, wounded, pierced, bleeding, right? The Lamb of God, which we know ultimately is Jesus Christ and Him crucified for us. Now, when the lamb was brought forward, there were different kinds of animal sacrifices that happened at different times. One of the animal sacrifices was called a burnt offering in which the worshiper would first come before the altar and the worshiper was most often the one who was responsible for killing the animal. So the worshiper would sacrifice that animal and with a burnt offering, the whole thing was burnt up. Nothing was to be consumed. The whole animal was placed on top of the altar on which there was a big fire and the whole thing was just burnt. Nobody would eat any of it. There was another animal offering called a a peace offering, a peace sacrifice, in which the lamb was brought forward and only the fatty portions were burned because the the, the smell of the fat, it was said, was a pleasing aroma to the Lord. But then the rest of the animal was split between the worshiper and then the priest who was doing the sacrifice in order that they could both have food to eat. A sacrifice that was then consumed. No matter what it was that people were bringing forward on the altar, it was always things that could either be eaten or drunk. Food things, drink things, animal things, right? Things that could be consumed. Here on the altar today, on our altar, this altar, 
On the front, there are Greek letters. I don't know if you can see them from where you are. That's why I especially wanted to move it forward so you could see it. Uh, Over here, there is the Greek letter on this side, the Greek letter Alpha. On this side is the Greek letter Omega. The first letter of the Greek alphabet and the last letter of the Greek alphabet could be an A and a Z in English, right? The Alpha and the Omega. Then right here in the middle are two Greek letters. It might just look like one to you, but it's actually two, and they're stacked on top of each other. One is the letter chi, it looks like an X, and one is the letter rho, which looks like a P. (laughs) These two letters are the very first two letters of the Greek name Christ. Christ, the chi rho, it would be like C-H-R, okay, if you were to do it in English, C-H-R, right there. So what we have here on our altar is the Alpha and the Omega. Who says they're the Alpha and the Omega? Jesus, right? I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And right here in the middle of our altar are those two letters for Christ. Christ, right? The Messiah, the one who is to come into this world to be the sacrifice for our sins. So here on our altar, we have a visible representation that Jesus Christ is central in all that we are doing in this place, but also here on this altar. Because what happens here on this altar in this place week after week? Here on this altar in this place week after week, we gather for a sacrifice. But it's not a sacrifice that we are making. We come to gather to receive the sacrifice that Christ has made for us. Christ, the perfect sacrificial lamb that was slain for the sins of the whole world. Here, week after week, body and blood, the true body and the true blood of Jesus Christ are offered to us. For what? For the forgiveness of our sins. That was the point of the sacrificial system even in the Old Testament was that life would be exchanged for life. That when you would bring forward that animal and sacrifice its life, your sins were being transferred to that animal in order that you would not pay the penalty for your sin, yet God was providing a way out for you, and that lamb was slain for you. And what did I say? Oftentimes, even those animals were consumed, eaten, right? Imagine what that experience would be like. You have just sacrificed that animal knowing that it's your sin. It should be your life, and yet it's not. And you've had to take that animal's life in order that you can be set free. And then you consume it and eat it. And its life and its blood go into you, and you're transformed by that sacrifice. Same thing happens here week after week. And yet it's not you doing the sacrifice, it's Christ sacrificing himself for you. And when Jesus says, take and eat, this is my body for you, for what? The forgiveness of your sins. As you take that body and drink that blood, it enters into your body, into your digestive system. The body and blood of Jesus Christ go into your body, into your blood blood and into your bloodstream all throughout your body. So that you then take on that life and blood of Jesus Christ, that you are transformed into his likeness. Week after week, day after day, God's people gather together at an altar just like this. 
in order that life can be exchanged for life, blood for blood, his for yours, so that you and I can be set free. This is the good news of salvation. This is why we gather together. It's Jesus' life for ours, for the forgiveness of our sins. Thanks be to God for this great gift that he gives to us in Jesus Christ, who is central to all that we do. In his name, amen.